What is up, y'all? It is your girl, Scardi B, here with another Fam Friday. This one is really, really special. I know I say that at every Fam Friday, but this one's super, super special. Um, we have musician Brian, A Day Without Love here, joining us on the day of his album release, and we are so excited to talk to him. So please, without further ado, please, let's bring on Brian. You got to hit him with the uh, air horns. Hi, Brian. <laughs> hey, how's it going, Scardi? I'm, it is I'm glad all to be good. here. I am so happy to have you. It is a big day. Your album is out. Can you just tell us a bit about it? And we'll obviously jump more into it later. Surely, surely. So the record's called A Stranger That You Met Before, which definitively means a friend. Mm-hmm. And it's a record for everyone. Uh who's trying to find a new ambition, find a new dream and learn the, the guys or the adventure of what it means to connect with something bigger than yourself, whether it be faith, whether it be friendship or a community. Wow. I mean, just all things that like, I feel like as adults, like we feel almost like weird to do. It gets harder to make friends as adults, but I think that, you know, keeping this like growth mindset and being like, Anybody who's a stranger is just like a friend waiting is a really really sweet message. That's like awesome because we talk a lot on the show about community and how important it is to go to a show and feel like it's finally the place like that you have something in common with everyone. And, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, as like black and brown people, like even that doesn't happen (laughs) sometimes in the spaces that we're in. So, Brian, obviously you have an album out. We're celebrating that. Can you talk a bit more about what you do and, you know, what's guided you into music? Surely. So, like, just getting into music in general, I had a lot of friends in high school that played guitar, but I never played. I was just doing martial arts. And then at 18... (laughs) Yeah. Do you have, like, one of those, like, fake trading cards that they make for the karate kids? You know, it's probably somewhere on the internet, to be honest with you. But, like, I Next I single person... cover, please? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I do still have photos. Like, even in my apartment, I have trophies all over. But uh, I, I, I competed. Like, even in college, I competed for a little bit. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> I didn't pick up guitar until I was 18. And gr- I grew up on hip-hop in Motown. You know, Motown grandparents. And then my uncle was a hip-hop DJ. He still is in Augusta, Georgia. And just playing guitar, I just learned everything I grew up with from Jimi Hendrix to Marvin Gaye, All Green, you name it. And then I would say, like, until music started feeling like, all right, I could be a part of this is when I started hitting open mics anywhere I could go, all over Philly, the suburbs of Philly, things like that. And then I transferred over to Penn State uh, midway through college, and I started mm-hmm. something called the Songwriters Club. And I was booking multi-genre shows. I was playing guitar for a rapper named The U. Uh, he has a podcast in Jersey, You Go Boy Podcast. Uh, I was, you know, booking charity shows for anyone from Jamaica to Haiti to Japan. Wow. Uh, I was just, like, doing a lot of organizing work, but I really didn't have, like, a day without love as a thing. And then I went to grad school, took a pause, played bass for a pop band, and then I became homeless because of Hurricane Sandy, and I had this, like, come-to-Jesus moment, like, I have to write music for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I, like, after grad school uh, was ending, I came back and started doing my own thing as a full band as well as a solo act. So, yeah. Yeah. How do you refine what's important to you when you feel like you've hit rock bottom? Like, why was music and art still that rope for you to to get out of the place that you were? Um, I think it was 
the the rope for me because it was the only thing I had other than my textbooks mm-hmm. and like you know homework. And they only the burn only... for so long. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't burn my homework. <laughs> Damn, but like you know it could only do so much. Yeah, and I remember like I was bench surfing and couch surfing between mm-hmm. friends and things like that, and um, I played my first single Island and it just came to me. Wow. And that's when I, like, I, I cried, you know, I was it, it literally uh, just like in the middle of a park in Long Island uh, saying like, all right, I really need to do this. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the words of Day Without Love was a poem I writ, wrote like years ago, had nothing to do with my music, but I decided to call it A Day Without Love because I wanted to create a collection of music that helps people, helps myself get out of my own struggle. So it was kind of one of those things like I had nothing else to do because I, I didn't have a place to live. Um, I still had a job, so I was employed, but yet yeah. homeless. Um, but that's like kind of the answer to your question, like why music in, yeah. in general? Yeah. And I, I love the name A Day Without Love because whenever I read it, I, I really take it as like, imagine what it would be like being in such a loving world and just not having that for a day. Like, you know, like I, I that's how, that's my take on it. Like imagine this like warm embrace and imagine the moment that that's gone, um, like that fleeting feeling. Um, and I feel like, you know, a lot of art that that's, what's so important about it and sharing about it. It's that it becomes different for everyone. Um, can you talk me a little bit more about your influences? I know you mentioned fallout boy as being something that you really attuned to. So this is a podcast about fallout boy and hip hop. Can you talk to me about why this genre, why this band and how you have your own take on it certainly so like fall Out boy for me was like a foundational band mostly because rhythmically and the and the lyrics are kind of like what if you took an r&b project or a project like outcast and turned it punk and I somewhere grew up- Patrick Stump is literally sobbing. He doesn't know <laughs> why, but he's 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 actively like sobbing. Like yeah, like that. That's kind of like why for me, like in the quote unquote scene of rock, that was one of the first bands for me. Yeah. And then when I picked up the guitar, like I said, I was just playing, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. you know R and B, Motown, and things like that. But I was really doing that to appease like my family, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have a concept of self. So then when I started to just write songs, No A Day Without Love, Name Attached, I started learning a lot of things like Dashboard Confessional, um, you know, Fallout Boy, um, you know, uh, <laughs> if anyone remembers it, uh, Taking Back Sunday. Like I was learning a lot that, of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little learning, band called Taking yeah. Back Sunday. <laughs> a lot of that. And then keep in mind, Growing up as a black kid, I was always caught between being too black for the white kids and too white for the black kids, like, growing up. And I, and I definitely am a blurred and was a blurred because, like, you know, I watched anime. So it just was kind of like I wanted to use guitar as a way to fit in. And mm. I think a lot of Fall Out Boy kind of adheres to that. But at the same time, I was learning bass lines by the Wu-Tang Clan on guitar. Yeah. So it's like I really was So that. was Pete Wentz. So, like... <laughs> yeah. so I was like fighting the the between of that and i think when i started to put lyrics to guitar because i had been writing lyrics since i was 11 i didn't realize it but i was like somewhat of a folk punk artist too like um there's like have you ever heard of the moldy peaches yeah 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 Yeah. so there's this artist named kimia dawson and she's a, a black and white like folk artist who like if you take her lyrics 
they could be hip hop songs. Like she, yeah. she writes in this very hip hop prose. And I took a lot of influence from her, Pete Wentz and Radiohead. And then I still wanted to talk about the experiences of growing up in Philadelphia and yeah. dealing with things like police brutality, gun violence, drugs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I know people call it folk punk, but I was like, it's a little different than that. Like, I don't really have, like, a name for my music other than multi-genre, but I, I think a lot of those influences shaped who I am. And, like, this record is as a record that kind of demonstrates my homage to the many influences that I have. Like, day by day, I'm literally rapping in the song <laughs> while also, you know, singing and playing guitar over it, so... Yeah, so talk to me about some tracks on A Stranger that you met before. What are some standout ones? What are some like upcoming singles? Uh, which are ones that really stand out to you in doing that genre bending? Certainly, certainly. Um, so I think, you know, I did release some singles before. I think the two singles that most people liked were Good Friends Are Hard to Find and Caffeine. Caffeine, I think, is a given. I wrote that in a Wawa, not even kidding. <laughs> Um, the Wawa in Center I'm City. I'm tagging which... Wawa. We're tagging Wawa. Free Wawa. Free Wawa. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just waiting in the coffee line, and the lyrics came to me. Uh, uh -huh. and, and it's got a triple meaning. It's about how black people are empowering of each other. Um, like, there's a line in there, I am thankful for the strong and brown. Uh, it's also about how... Oh. Caf <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. It's also about like how caffeine is and is not a substance we all are a part of, like mm -hmm. in, in, you know, hustle culture. And it's also a homage to just punk music because it's a fast and a hard song, but good friends are hard to find, which is more on the folkier side is really about the journey of human connection. Um, you know, we make friends in different capacities on the internet via Instagram, you know, in person, on the bus, on the train at a show, but where where do the good friends come from? Where are the ones that make you feel like you've known them forever? How do you maintain your day ones? And that's where that, like, that song comes from. And, like, in some ways, it's kind of my thesis statement for, for this record. Like, if you haven't listened to tracks 1 through 15, like, at least listen to this one, because I want people to realize, like, while we're in this loneliness epidemic, which, like, NPR outlined, there's still hope to make friends and end human connection. Yeah. And I mean, your your merch also exemplifies that, right? You have like cat, like good friends are hard to find, right? And then like yeah. a dog, because it's like they can't speak to you, but y'all communicate in different ways. And I think like music does that, art does that, um, and that feeling. I think there's like a name for it where it's like the language that's shared between like twins that like nobody else can understand or they don't even say it out loud, but there's like that connection there. Um, and I think that's one of the most beautiful uh, feelings where it's like, it, it could be, especially if it's platonic, um, I think that's one of the most beautiful experiences that like as humans we get to do um, or have. Um, so you play in Philly, you are in Philly, or where are you based out of? So currently I'm based in Boston. Um, I, and that's a new, that's a new thing. Like I'm originally born and raised in Philly. Mm -hmm. I still play in Philly. I actually, I tour all over. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was just in Philly a few weeks ago at LaSalle university for a quiet fest. Oh, and I'll be in Philly again this February at Silk city. Um, Oh, please hit me up. February. Oh, what? Yeah. Uh, I believe it's the last week of February. Okay. I don't have the calendar on me, but I definitely will. Hit no you up worries. About that please, please yeah. do. 
And then uh, today is, again, a big day. We have the record out. Um, talk to me about some maybe collaborations that people like didn't get to see or some upcoming ones that you really want to happen. Certainly. Uh, so I recently uh, did guest vocals for a track called Are You My Friend or Are You My Enemy with Just JB. Uh, that was pretty cool because he just was like, I have all of these bars, but can you turn it like pop punk? So awesome. I just, yeah. yeah, I just took the lyrics and went with it. Um, I have another verse with an artist based out of Boston uh, named Z the Stranger. It's not out yet, but that's coming soon. Uh, I played guitar for a spoken word artist um, named Fragile Bird. And um, I'm also working on playing bass for artists out of Portland, Oregon, uh, named Esther. So uh, while I might be based in Boston and from Philly, I collaborate all over. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. How has, I mean, especially as like a folk artist, it's about like connecting back to your community and really yeah. storytelling about that. Can you tell me what it, it was like specifically telling the story of Philly, which is such a hip hop city um, in your own way? Certainly. So the the record itself was originally supposed to be a score to a documentary I made called Safe and Sound. Mm -hmm. And Safe and Sound is a documentary that uh, is about how to navigate a music community by being safe, consensual, respectful, and inclusive. And I did it with a vi local videographer by the name of Brianna Spouse. And I wanted to kind of show how being from Philly and being part of a diverse set of music communities taught me and reminded me of the fact that like, you know, uh, excuse my language, the, the fundamental rule, don't be a dick always prevails. Cause like, Absolutely. you know, I've recorded vocals uh, with a variety of hip hop artists and, and producers. I've also worked with a lot of like rock artists in different capacities, like both as like a singer and a musician, but, but respect is, is key. And I think a lot of people say Philly is like this rough city. And like, yes, it's it's a rough city. Mm -hmm. It's got the same problems as any other uh, city in America. But the one thing I say is like, if you want to fit in Philly, you have to respect each other and understand mm -hmm. each other. And and that's what I, like, I learned from not just being a musician, but just a Philadelphian. Um, and that's what I try to like articulate in the record. Like, you know, the first opening track, House, you know, I kind of am really telling people, if you want to play in house shows, you have to be respectful of people. It's You're not coming about into famous. someone's home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. I mean, yeah, I just really love it because Philly has just such a special way of like, being a part of people i mean i got here in like 2012 and it's like i really don't want to ever go like please send me down the schuylkill it's um <laughs> it's it's super special um but we talked i really loved what you were talking about um safe and sound and inclusivity now obviously this being a podcast about follow-up in hip-hop um it feels like it's it can be very binary but there's a lot of gray can you talk to me a little bit about your experience in both the rock and hip-hop worlds and what inclusivity has been like for you and, and how we can hold space to be better with that. Certainly. So hip-hop for me started in Philly and North Philly, um, mm. specifically like 19th and Diamond, where my great-grandmother used to live. And my uncle was just And I was uh, 13 billion Temple students. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't like it. I, I no, have so many it's not cute. About that. No, I used to live <laughs> off of 17th, so yeah. So you get it. Um, 
I didn't go so to like, Temple. Bye. <laughs> no, I'm not planning <laughs> that. Goodbye. <laughs> but you know, when, when and when anyone asks, like, what are the first types of songs you wrote? They were rap songs, right? I didn't have a beat maker. I didn't have an MPC. I just were writing them a cappella. And I think Philly definitely shaped that for me. And then I took a break from being bullied by like other black kids. And, you know, my first drink, I found punk rock through some kids on a cruise ship that my grandparents took me to. Wow. And I was living in the suburbs of Philly at that time. And like, I was listening to rap, but I wasn't talking to too many people about it. Right. I was mm-hmm. watching the Meek Mill YouTube videos and, and things like that. Uh, if you know, you know. <laughs> and then when I made this song with Sam Rybread, who's a producer in Philly who produces a lot of hip-hop acts, we hired this uh, videographer who's also a rapper by the name of Internal Rhyme. And if anyone knows who with them, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anyone knows who he is, he's like this short five foot two little dude. And he was like, yo, come to the studio with me. I was like, what are we doing? You're a videographer. He's like, oh, I rhyme too. And I was like, I don't rap. He's like, yes, you do. And I was like, why? How do you know that I rap? He's like, I've read your poetry. I was like, where? Wow. And he's like, <laughs> so he's like, don't worry he's about funny. it. He's funny. He's funny as hell. He's... <laughs> yeah. So then I got in the studio with him. Uh, we were working with Digital Crates as a producer. And then that's where... Uh, I, I co-wrote Find Yourself, and then that from there, it just like kind of just became this thing that I rediscovered in terms of finding hip-hop. But rock, I kind of feel like the influence of other black musicians that are also in the same position kind of made me feel like I had that glue. Like, And not just in Philly, but but just as a touring artist, from Barty Strange, I co-wrote with him, to like uh, Black Hippie there in Memphis. So I kind of feel like the marriage between hip hop and rock is, is uh, I can't say rising, but it's becoming more visible, not just because of Tizo touchdown and because of Kenny Mason, but really because a lot of people are starting to realize like I can marry these two genres, even though I was made fun of it as a kid. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that's the biggest thing. And, and I'm always like, let's just start the conversation. Like both these genres are black, <laughs> yeah. like capital B. And um, it's just important to be able to talk about those influences because I mean, even before this, this interview started, we, I was laughing out loud because you were telling me that um, people said that you sounded like Patrick Stomp when, yeah. when you first got started. And I was like, Patrick Stump wishes, you know, (laughs) Um, we love Patrick, but like, this is, this is that soul and, and that feeling that you really can't even train yourself into. Um, What are some things that you do to keep inspired with music and to keep creating new music and art? So um, I'm sitting on like 19 songs right now. (laughs) (laughs) Album out today, new album out tomorrow. (laughs) And I do have a new backing band too. And I think some of the things I've been doing, especially this summer, is just being on the beach. Uh, Boston's Mm. full of beaches. And thinking about a lot of the things I've been through in Philly. And I think just a lot of new experiences are helping me write this new music that I'm doing, but also taking lessons remotely and, um, for lack of a better word, living. Um, mm. I think before I used to write a lot of songs out of fear and trauma, but now I'm like learning to sit with myself and say, what do I want to say to the world? What do I want to share? How, how can I help other people? Because my next record after this record is going to be about 
what do you do when you have nowhere to go, but you have to sit with your trauma? Mm. So that's kind of like what I've been doing a lot of to, to enhance or quote unquote, uh, write a better record. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's so much unlearning that comes with healing, you know, the, the, the taking of the way of the shame, you know, being able to be kind to yourself. I think that those are all things that like, as, as kids, we internalize and then as adults, we just suppress, um, that's super unhealthy, but, um, death creates, you know, the, makes us create the best, um, that we can. So talk to me about like, what do you want? Like, what's the thought that someone listens to the record that came out today, a stranger that you met before it, they listen to it. What is one thing you want them to take away? I want them to believe that I can. And what I mean by I can is like, when I first started playing guitar and singing in front of people, I knew I wanted to empower people, but I didn't know how to empower myself. Mm. So I, I knew I had to just write whatever came to mind. And I think this record is the first record that kind of says like, no matter how hard things are or how easy things are, like things are hard for me right now, believe that you can or I can. And what I mean by that is like, take what you have, look at yourself in the mirror or your cell phone and acknowledge that you can be the thing that you want to be. Because when I started, I didn't even have SEPTA tokens to get to the gig. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and yes, now... Philly still used tokens um, until like just, just a few years ago. Like <laughs> yeah, not yeah. that long. Like you used to be able that. to buy like a Lucy cigarette and a token to, to the cigarettes for like you waiting for the bus and then the tokens for the bus. And this was like, not that long ago, you guys. Like. Big, big facts, big facts. <laughs> and, uh, I, I really have, like, I still have a long way to go, but like yeah. I've come very far. And I think yeah. this record kind of says, thank you to every MC, DJ, producer, band, punk band, shoegaze band, uh, community member, people have bought my merch from the shorts to the sweaters to the crop tops to the booty shorts. Thank you. But this is what I have to say to tell you that I can and you can too. And that's kind yeah. of what I want people to uh, remember. That's awesome. I, I really want to hear more. Like, what are some, like, we all obviously love music and we love artists. What are some critical ways that as a fan of music, as a fan of your music, uh, we can be supporting artists better? Um, I think it goes three ways. I think financially, like, you know, mm -hmm. find that Patreon, um, you know, find, uh, like that donation button on a website, um, buy the record as opposed to just streaming it. Not saying yeah. that streaming's bad, but like, you know, think about that. Streaming's marketing for <laughs> yeah. ideally getting the physical. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think socially repost if you can comment because that does boost the algorithm mm -hmm. and then i think socially is you know i think this goes both ways challenge the musician by telling them what your music means to them because mm. you know i think a lot of musicians myself included often feel like everything's in a vacuum no one's seeing them yeah. whatever i'm posting no one like no one cares but like when someone talks to you and says something like hey i listened to your song today in the shower and i had a better day at work or hey i play your song in the gym or whatever it might be yeah it inspires thoughts to the musician not just for the sense of like value but it allows the musician to realize like okay i have all these thoughts 
maybe these thoughts can be organized in this way or that way. So yeah. Oh no, that that that's a really interesting one because it's like. I think like as a fan, sometimes you're like, oh, my God, this is going to end up in their requests or they're just going to be like seen or like they're just yeah. going to heart it because um, it's like just as much as a human like struggles with accepting compliments. Like sometimes people are like, I like you. Goodbye. You know, but I definitely yeah. think that being able to tell artists um, how much they mean to you. I mean, this whole podcast is is a love letter to Fall Out Boy and just the, the, the culture and community that they've provided me with and kind of how. I'm taking the torch to start a different topic. And I feel like a lot of music and art and, and what we've been through um, does the same, right? Gives so much thanks to everything that we, it, we that we got from their music and taking this torch and telling a new story. Um, I think as like a musician and as an artist, you are a like very specific storyteller um, that gets to tell this story this way. Um, and before they just had like campfires and people would sing it to each other until people remembered it. But now we have this beautiful technology that gets to record us and we get to leave like this imprint behind. You know, I say often like this podcast isn't for people right now. Like people right now are enjoying it, but this podcast is for people five, 10, 15 years in the future, like discovering this band and just like, wanting to know more about this specific um niche of it that was so big like fallout boy wouldn't be where they are without the support and cosigns that they got from the black community um so that's incredibly important then always just like bring it back but talk to yourself in five ten let's just say ten years what would you tell yourself um i would say i'm glad you didn't give up uh, and I say that because there have been plenty of times I've suffered or struggled with self-doubt, you know, and I've, and I've thought like, I'm not like, you know, these other people are insert minority or marginalized group. And, and I, you know, truly do believe I have a story and a message to tell, not just for, for black people or, or marginalized people, but, but for all people, because, you know, this music has taken me across the entire United States. I get an email once a week from somewhere from Europe. When are you coming? I said, when I can afford it, you know, <laughs> but like, what are you same... paying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I think a lot of what I do, what a lot of artists that I've looked up to fallout boy included have kind of really taught me like, remember where you came from, remember who you are, Remember the people that believe in you and move forward no matter what. Um, because, like, I had to, like, leave Philadelphia because it wasn't safe for me anymore. But it doesn't mean I forgot Philadelphia. Um, I had to expand to different genres because the things I didn't believe in myself, I now do believe. Um, so I just kind of feel like 10 years from now, I pat myself on the back today for not giving up on myself. That's beautifully put. Now, Brian, tell us where we can find you, where we can support you. Certainly. So if you want to get the record, uh, hit up my band camp at daywithoutlove.bandcamp.com. Uh, we exactly have 50 records left. We're almost sold out the first pressing. Uh, if you want to just listen to it via streaming, Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere. If you want to get some merch, 
Um, go to my website at daywithoutlove.com. I also have Patreon. Uh, new merch will be coming. Uh, we will have album art t-shirts as well as sweaters. Uh, and keep them, uh, keep posted to my show uh, schedule. I have a tour coming up with MJ Bones. Nice. And I'm also co-writing uh, co with Black Guy Fox because uh, I'm also trying to uplift other Black alternative musicians through my talents and collaborations. Amazing. I mean, incredible stuff, y'all. If you're listening, you can open up the show notes right now and go through all the links that Brian just ran through. But Brian, thank you so, so much for joining me on this Fan Friday. Congratulations on your new record, A Stranger That You Met Before, streaming everywhere right now. Thank you so much for, you know, sharing this moment with me. And I know we're getting sappy, but I got to hit you with, can you give me a good mouth air horn? Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.